0: Welcome. You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at rosalprez.org. Thanks for listening. Happy Easter and welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. We're so glad you're here in worship with us this morning. I want to say a special thank you to everyone who helped make the Maundy Thursday service and the Good Friday service such a success, so meaningful and deeply sacred, a beautiful time. I want to let you know that next Sunday is Confirmation Sunday. We're going to welcome 30 young people who are going to own their faith for themselves, become official church members. Uh, that will be at the 11 o'clock service, I invite you to come back uh, for that special time in the life of our congregation. Today we conclude our sermon series on the spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that lead to our spiritual flourishing. We've looked at practices like contemplation, fasting, keeping the Sabbath, other practices. But this morning we're gonna look at what does it mean to apply the meaning of Easter to our everyday lives. We're gonna look at a passage from the Apostle Paul or well, he writes to the church in Corinth. So let's open our hearts, our eyes, and our ears for the word of the Lord. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, though which, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you, as of first importance, what I in turn had received, That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. (laughs) Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And on his grace towards me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim. And so you have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious, loving God, I ask in the next few moments, you might be our teacher on this Easter Sunday. that You might shine your resurrection light into our lives, Lord. That these words would not remain just lifeless, dead ink on a page, but by your spirit they might spring to life and speak a message to our hearts that only you can speak. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Practice resurrection. Yes, I'm talking about practice. There's a famous news conference where Allen Iverson, that Allen Iverson gave over 20 years ago. It was after the NBA season was over. A reporter asked this Philadelphia 76ers point guard, who's also one of the 75 best basketball players ever, about his practice habits. You see, he had been hurt on and off during the season, and people hadn't seen him practicing very much. After the season, his coach, Larry Brown, pulled him aside for a meeting he said he wasn't that um, impressed with his practice habits. And so the reporter wanted to follow up and asked him about practice. Listen to Iverson's response. If I can't practice, I can't practice. If I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Simple as that. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. And, in, and we're here talking about practice? I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, the game I go out there and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game, we're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? We're talking about practice? I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example, I know that. And I'm not shoving it aside like it don't mean anything. I know it's important, I do, I honestly do. But we're talking about practice? What are we talking about, practice? We're talking about practice? We're talking about practice? We're talking about practice? We ain't talking about the game, we're talking about practice. In The course of this exchange, Iverson says the word practice 22 times. At the conclusion of a long season, I think it's fair to say, Iverson is not a huge fan of practice. Well, I've got bad news for Iverson, he is gonna hate this sermon, because it is all about practice. We're talking about, what does it mean have Easter and the resurrection lived out in our daily lives? What does it mean to practice resurrection? Resurrection is a spiritual discipline. Resurrection is something we practice, it's something we live out, it's something we do. What does it mean to practice resurrection every day of our lives? Well, first, let's start off with a general definition of practice. To practice something is to perform an activity or exercise a skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. To practice resurrection is to live out the implications of what God did in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago by raising Jesus from the dead. See, up until this point in human history, the prevailing power in the world was death. Everything Dies. Plants die. From the desert cactus to the towering oak. Animals die. From fish and frogs to lions and tigers. Humans die. Everyone from the most powerful king and queen to the lowliest servant and slave. Everything dies. Everything in all creation eventually must submit to the power of death. Everything dies. But then, But then, God intervenes in his creation. God intervenes in the world. And in Jesus, we see God triumph over the powers of sin and death. Death no longer because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death no longer has the final word on any of our lives. In the life, death, the resurrection of Jesus, God defeats death. Now, many people are incredulous at this claim that Jesus rose from the dead. And I think the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians knows this. So he gives some reasons why we can believe that there was an empty tomb, that Jesus was raised from the dead. First, he says the resurrection of Jesus was a unique event. It wasn't like there were resurrections happening all over ancient Palestine in the first century. He also says there was at one time 500 witnesses who were all together who witnessed the risen Christ. He says, this wasn't a collective hallucination. In fact, many of these people are still alive. Go ask them for yourself. They'll tell you the story. And over a 40-day period, it says that Christ appears to people. He talks with them. He eats with them. They touch Jesus. And when, after this happens, they go on to share the story of this resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see the Apostle Paul share it with others. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who share the story of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Now, they're all a little different. They have different perspectives on the story. But there is an essential unity to the story and the meaning which they take for the empty tomb, that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And in these stories, if you pay attention carefully, one of the surprising things is that women are the first people to be witnesses to the resurrected Christ. Why is that important? Well, in the first century at the time, women weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. So if you were gonna make this up, you wouldn't have the women be the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection. These women are the first preachers of the good news of the Christian gospel, to the resurrection. We must remember that many of these people paid the ultimate, ultimate price for sharing this story. That God had raised Jesus from the dead. Many were tortured, many were executed. They faced certain death, but they faced it with courage. Why? Because they believed in the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, that God had raised Jesus from the dead, and no longer did death have the final say on any of our lives. And then, of course, up until this point, most of these folks were Jews. They celebrated the Sabbath on a Saturday. But after God raised Jesus on the third day, it was a Sunday, and so they had to shift what day of the week they celebrated and worshipped on. And it was Sunday, because Sunday is Resurrection Day. Even to this point, during Lent, we never count Sundays as part of Lent. They're set apart because Sunday is always Resurrection Day. And that means when you worship here on Sundays, you are practicing resurrection. Practicing resurrection. Now, I've been thinking, surely there have to be some other examples of resurrection in the world. Surely, if resurrection is God's final plan, he would have given some hints, some windows in creation that we could see other resurrections to maybe give us hope, to give us faith in this great good news. Well, I've been recently doing some research for the Summer Sermon Series, and I came across this famous Disney movie, Encanto. Maybe some of you have seen it. It was a hugely successful movie, made over a quarter of a billion dollars in 2021 alone. Tells the story of a Colombian family and their town and their house who's in danger. And the soundtrack was written by a guy by the name of Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also did Hamilton and the Heights. Encanto's soundtrack won a bunch of awards. People, when they think of the soundtrack, they think of that insanely catchy song, We Don't Talk About Bruno. But when they were invited to submit a song for the Oscar awards, they didn't choose that song. They chose a different song. Dos Orguitas. Dos Orguitas. Lin-Manuel Miranda said, this song feels like the heart of the movie. Dos Orguitas means two little caterpillars. And it's sung entirely in Spanish. And the song describes two caterpillars are in love. The song celebrates their love and their commitment to each other. But it also looks ahead. It looks ahead to the time they're going to die. These caterpillars will die, and then eventually will reemerge as butterflies. And I got thinking to myself, does this transformation of caterpillars into butterflies count as resurrection? So I did some research, and I discovered that scientists have long been fascinated by this transformation of caterpillars into butterflies. A caterpillar, I don't know if you know this, eats voraciously during its lifetime. Think of the children's book, The very hungry caterpillar. And when the the time is right, the caterpillar spins a cocoon and it ends up digesting itself. It goes into what's called the larval phase. It releases enzymes that kills the caterpillar and destroys all its organs. It's turned into mush. If you open up a larva, all you'll see is mush in there. You'll see no trace of what used to be the caterpillar. Then, By a miraculous sequence of events, the amino acids rearrange into an entirely new organism. The cells begin to clump together and form organs of an entirely new, new insect. It looks different. It's got wings. It's got long legs. And one of the articles I read on this was a scientist, and he described the process with these words. The fact that the caterpillar's immune system attacks the new cells of the butterfly demonstrates that biologically, the two insect forms are entirely distinct life forms. So essentially, the caterpillar dies, and I quote, is resurrected, is resurrected. In the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly, we witness a resurrection. God has given us a preview, a commercial for coming attractions, of resurrection, that our lives are meant to be practicing and waiting for our final destiny. In his song for Encanto, Lynn manuel beautifully describes how these two caterpillars must live today in light of the resurrection that awaits them. It's a song in Spanish, but since some of us don't speak Spanish, I'll do it in English. Two little caterpillars in love and yearning Spend every evening and morning learning to hold each other, their hunger burning to navigate a world that turns and never stops turning. Oh, little caterpillars, don't you hold on too tight. Both of you know it's your time to grow, to fall apart, to reunite. Wonders await you just on the other side. Trust they'll be there. Start to prepare the way for tomorrow. Even though they will be transformed, these two caterpillars are supposed to love each other every day. For one day, they will be transformed and reunited. Even though they will eventually die, we can practice resurrection every day today, living in the light that death does not have the final say on any of our lives. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has triumphed over the powers of sin and death. And that's the good news of Easter. I first encountered this concept of practicing resurrection in a poem by Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry is a farmer and a writer in Kentucky. He's written over 40 books, many of them on ecology, sustainable agriculture. He talks about the importance of good food, about poetry, spirituality. He's lived on this little farm for 40 years. He's a national treasure. And by living on this farm, he gets very wary of kind of the modern world and how it tends to dehumanize us. And one of his great poems is called Manifesto, Mad Farmer's Liberation Front. It's a long poem, so I'm only gonna read a brief excerpt. And I, to be honest, don't usually like poems that don't rhyme, but this one rhymes at the right moment. Listen to this. So friends, every day, do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world, Work for nothing. Take all that you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Denounce the government and embrace the flag. Hope to live in that free republic for which it stands. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance. For what man has not encountered, he has not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. He goes on, expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you've considered all the facts. And he concludes the poem with these words. Be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice resurrection. Friends, let the light of Christ's resurrection shine into the present moment. Let's practice resurrection today. Let's practice resurrection not just on Easter, but every day. Let's practice the resurrection of forgiveness and not give in to the the death of a friendship or relationship. Let's practice the resurrection of generosity and not give in to the death of greed. Let's practice the resurrection of love and not give in to the death of ego and self interest. Let's practice the resurrection of patience and not give in to the death of anger. Let's practice the resurrection of joy and not give in to the death of despair. Friends, it's all about practice. Let's practice resurrection. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for what you've done in Jesus Christ. I pray that today and every day that light might shine in to our lives. Or the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not overcoming. And we thank you for that. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.